music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield. Welcome to the Hivecast. Tough McKagan is with us right now. We got Jeff Angel. And Jeff Angel. Walking Papers is their new band project, but band, we'll call it a band. We don't call things projects. No, it's no, music. No. I don't like that word project. Yeah. Let's call it a band, because it is a band. Mm-hmm. There was the Joe Perry project. Yes, let the music do the talking. Remember? Right, and then, then everything else after that are guys doing a new band. They call it the project. Yeah. Or what's worse is a side project. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to hear that side project thing. I'm who's, who's got time for a side? I mean, maybe if you're doing like African drum beats... At the street fair, so yeah, that's, the a bro- side, drums, that's a yeah. side project. Yeah, but yeah. no. I yeah, know. I've done some siding projects. You in have my, you in my have construction you in my construction days. Yeah, yeah. did you? you that's did a difference. Be, uh, oh yes, yeah, I'll probably be back to it in about three days. Here, as yeah. soon as this seriously though. No. Yeah, I'm carpenter. Are you? you yeah, did, yeah, a lot. So, this may come as a surprise to you. A lot of musicians are in the construction trades. No, I'm sh- no, so, no <laughs> surprise to me. I got a, I got a lesson in early because my godfather uh, ran a construction company for a while. So I went down one summer when I was like 14 or whatever, 12, down to 13. Where? Like South, South Jersey. That's not too far from okay. where I actually grew up. <laughs> well, that's but up I did here, masonry. I did framing. I got in the roof hey, of those look houses. look at you. Yeah. And, uh, and it, I, I know how hard that work is. Mm-hmm. But I remember I heard Black Betty by Ram Jim the first time ever on the radio. Oh, I was on ooh, that roof. Black Betty. And I loved, I loved I heard that. Didn't that, have, that song had impact, like the first time we all heard that it, on the it radio. It did. It was phenomenal. What, what was it about? We, it was just so good. It's a, it's a lead belly song. Yeah. It's a blues song that was only 45 seconds long. Now, the NAACP were upset about the song when it came out, but they don't realize lead belly was black. Had he led better yeah. was black. He could write a song black. Oh, there is all, also yeah. we, we were talking about uh, the bad seeds kicking against the pricks. Has they a do cover it as well of Black Betty. Yeah, I think it's like acapella. Yeah, and theirs is a little more like the Hetty Ledbetter version. You know the original Led yeah. Belly, but that was a great song. You can't take it away. So whenever I think of framing, I think of that song. Mm. Because then my uh, my godfather would take me to the record store with the money I made, and I'd buy, I'd look and find something I'd never seen. Whenever I think of framing, I think of suicide, but I don't know. <laughs> if you're up high enough on a building and you may fall off that thing, oh, man, I do not know. Yeah, Masonry, but, uh, too, I get the same. I don't know what uh, Masonry, man, yeah. let me tell you, that's hot down Not there. the band Suicide. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Speaking of uh, old blues guys, we, we just got done with the... Uproar tour. Yeah, yeah. You did Uproar, and before that, you did the Mayhem Festival, too, no, for a while. No, no, no. Just Uproar. It was just Uproar. Okay. Yeah, just okay. Uproar. And it was... Uh, same promoters. <clears throat> yeah. Same. John. John Reese. Yeah. James, both of them. Who we all know from working with you guys in Guns N' Roses. He was our tour Wasn't manager. he your tour manager yeah. in, the, in like the very beginning, like the... When, no, when Appetite the, was out? At the, or was no, it after? It was illusions. More, use your illusion yeah, tours. Okay, yeah. yeah. But it was a big job to tour manage. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. John Reese, uh, good guy, very good guy. Very good. Then he went on to like Matt. He still managed John Feldman as a producer, and he might. And uh, he worked with the used. I remember, you know, yeah. when I was doing A and R, and he was shopping those guys. So wow, yeah. yeah. So John's a good dude. He really is. Um, good and the used. Wait, was it the used? The yeah. Band? No. And then what was the other band? Uh, I know he managed the used, but there was that other band from L.A. Oh, that narrows it down. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> the jump. guy would just, just like maim himself on stage. Uh, wow. Not that Iggy really Pop, of course. No, no, no. Uh, it'll that? come to me during it, this yeah. interview. We were talking about Nazareth before because we mentioned that your PR person here, Madeline, give her give her some love here. Yeah, named it Loud and Proud, and that's the name of a Nazareth album from like 1974. 
Yeah, yeah. our record company is called Loud and Proud, and the Nazareth record is called Loud and Proud. And I got turned on. We were talking. We were both of us before we came on. Matt and I, who are punker dudes, basically at heart. Yeah, we are. Have, both have a thing for for Nazareth, and I. Axel turned me on to them. We all went and saw them as a band in like 1985. They played some little club in Orange County. Wow. And just amazing. That guy's voice, Dan McCafferty, what a great singer. God, I mean, it was very much like Brian Johnson had the same kind of thing after years later. And then, you know, obviously you guys did Hair of the Dog, which was very right. cool. You but know? They, they had great songs. They did. They really had great songs. A bunch right? of tough drinking Scotsmen, right? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> they yeah. were definitely. I love those guys, though. Yeah. They were great, you know? And we talk about the punk thing at heart. And we're going to talk about how you guys met. You've known each other for a long time, right? I mean, yeah. did you know each other? Where did you guys meet up in Seattle, your hometown? Or? I saw. I don't know how I met Jeff, but I, I got turned on to his band. They were called Post-Stardom Depression. Um, great band name. Yeah, in that, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, in like 2000. I went yeah. and saw them play. And uh, they had like the meanest rock and roll backslash punk swagger. Yeah. Uh, in all the kind of the best senses of the bad seeds. And they really were, I think, the best living and breathing rock and roll band of that era, 2000, 2001. Um, Queens has just put out Rated R, I think, in 99 or 2000. And that kind of, for me, saved rock and roll. And here was this band, Postardom, that was going to knock it out of the park and they got put into that major label limbo what was it one of those things where they didn't put the record out at all well yeah we didn't even get to make the record but we were there for three years but i think that the people (laughs) what they did is they acquired uh boring music biz talk but what happens in those cases sometimes is some people are excited about your band and the president at the time was tom wally who was a rock guy and then he split to warner brothers and then they acquired bmg and a&m and all these new people are at the label that maybe didn't you know, well, I, quite frankly, they were the people that got to the top of the label because they put out corn and limp biscuit. And I don't think a bunch of greasy haired, emaciated, skinny rock dudes in tight pants really fit into their, you know, basketball jersey wannabe G kind of thing. And so they kind of didn't understand what Do we I were say doing. It's a no, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's like we were, we did, I didn't, I still don't know if I understand that music. And um, at the, if for me, I mean, I understand it, but I don't listen to it. And we were rock and roll, and we wanted it to be rock and roll. And I think the other people saw the potential in that as being a thing that was going to come around. And uh, the other people were still trying to think, or they were trying to keep cold on the charts. You know what I mean? So, which, funny enough, a lot of, you know, a bunch of skinny kids in New York had the same kind of idea with the, you know, and uh, all those bands that came they kind of returned, you know, with the strokes, strokes you're and, talking about. Yeah, and those that and yeah, we yeah, were yeah. before the Suzuki yeah. things that were happening. And we like I think we have know, a white stripes, yeah. yeah. And yeah. all those yeah. we were from probably grew up on the same records as those people did. Like and Jet did too. Yeah, and so those guys went. Uh, they didn't have the vision to see that that might be coming around, and so we sat there for years, and then we watched all those bands come out. While meanwhile, we didn't get to make a record and everything, but actually it turned out really good because we. Uh, we had a clause in our contract that had a guaranteed record release. And then we waited for that day to happen of like the exact date that the record had to be released by this three year period. And our lawyer called him up and we got paid the recording budget for two major label records that never got recorded. So good. So I hope that paid the rent so for a while. A lot right? of bands don't come out so nicely. They might make a record and it never gets put out. So 
we got to buy studio gear and then we went on and made a couple records and did some touring on our own and had a great time and some guys you know bought houses and built real estate empires with that you know other guys bought guitars and you know yeah so so i'd seen jeff then and we became friends and uh then what happened with post-art depression he just explained and and they eventually split up and then he started playing with this with ben who's the keyboard player in walking papers yeah and uh so you're playing guitar and singing he's playing keyboards right yeah yeah, and, and they, they got Barrett it. Martin on drums. We'll talk yeah. about that. In a yeah, minute. so Barrett, I uh, I had played with in the mid '90s, and he was another guy. Like I always hope I'd play with. Who'd someone. you play with him in? In Neurotic? No, no, no. He we, he and I just jammed. Yeah, we, like, we did like this weird thing with with Send Dog. Yeah, from Cypress Hill. Love Send Dog, by yeah. the way. Totally. What a great guy, man! You can't. You I know. was waiting for you to say that. No, I do. I no, do. I mean about him with Send Dog. Send Dog. Send is Send is such a good dude. He really yeah. is a great guy. Yeah. All those Cypress guys are great. Yeah. I made one did. record with them at Columbia, the last Columbia one I did with them. Oh, I cool. ain't that record. Awesome. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I just uh, him and, and B and Bobo, yeah. those guys are fucking, <laughs> just the, great dudes. Great you know? dudes, right? Yeah. And but but I played with Barrett for like a week in 1996 or something. Yeah. And I'm like. Hopefully, you know, the stars align that we get to do something together. So I got a call from Jeff Angel and Barrett last summer. Hey, we're working on some music. Would you come and play bass on it? And like, oh, the two guys I've wanted to play with. So the stars aligned, and, and this thing just came together. With, and Ben Anderson from from Missionary Position, Jeff's yeah. the, the four guys. And it's, <laughs> That's it's, another great band name. <laughs> You like both those names. I think uh, they're horrible. Yeah, well, That's no, I, I like I like them for the humor in them and yeah. nothing else. You know what I mean? I'm not. I don't I've always this... like post art and depression. Yeah. I thought that was. Cool. Yeah, I like that name. Yeah. But I but I like them both. Yeah, being in Seattle, fun. there was a lot of. Uh, it's not know, like when we were talking about seriously. framing. We were out there working really hard every day, and then at night we looked forward to playing music every day. And for a long time, there was a a lot of a, you know, a bunch of young guys get that much attention, and I think it gets to be too much and we were kind of like sitting out there swinging a hammer and go i don't know what those guys are so so bummed out about because you know we're working you know out here slaving on the job site all day bummed out? well there, you know at that time there was a lot of like anti-star kind of thing going on i mean I, you know if it was like especially in the seattle thing i mean i'm not anti-seattle well they were got they got a whole shit storm delivered to them with the press and the grunge and the whole hype you know there's a whole movie made on that and we were kind of like, I don't know, man. If we could get just to play music all day, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Give you <laughs> a reason to smile. Yeah, right? so we were kind of like, I don't know what those guys are bitching about. Maybe we should have them come out and have a day of packing lumber in the snow before yeah. band Sometimes practice. That might that, change um, their, their attitude a little yeah. bit. It's kind of like scared straight. But they used yeah. To do. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what we were kind of thinking. You know I mean? Construction <laughs> job site with Jeff Angel. Yeah. There yeah. you go. A little boot camp. Oh, thing. that's that's. So that was stuff. where we had the joke. That was kind of our joke on that, because, and especially in Seattle too. It was like we wanted to be a sexy rock and roll band. I think you know, a little sex and a little that is, rock and roll is based on that. You know, it should be provocative. That's a right. Bit. The blues was based on it. Yeah, yeah. doo-wop was based on it. Everything, all, all forms of music. It started. Oh, with Matt. Those so, so I, we were talking about the blues at the beginning yeah. of this thing. So we got on the uproar tour. There's a a guy that Jeff and Barrett had played with. Yeah. Uh, this kind of last living Delta blues man, C. Del Davis. 88. And, wow. He's 88. And he's in a wheelchair, and he can't play guitar anymore. 
because of use of his hands. Yeah, he's Arthritis famous. He's famous for playing with the. He had polio, and he's yeah. actually famous for playing with the butter knife over the top. Wow. He actually played with Robert Nighthawk, and he wrote the song. Uh, Feel like doing something wrong? It's uh, yeah. you, she's got the devil in her. Yeah, it's Makes great. Makes me too. feel like doing something wrong. That's yeah. it. He wrote that song. So it's he amazing. got up and played with us in in Dallas. Like his the people that take care of him got him out of the nursing home. Did he actually get in a? He came up in a wheelchair and he played like with the yeah. Guitar. He sang. No, I got. I do his playing for him nowadays, yeah. which is an honor. But he just sang, he sang the song, and mm-hmm. it was just awesome. It was just uh, he played two, the last two songs. We stopped and said that we're bringing somebody up. We played two of his song, two blue songs. And uh, really, really pretty cool to be able to play with one of those guys. That must have been great. I mean, did you get it any time? Was, was he, like, too exhausted? Did he have to rush back to the... No, he talked, he, he, he talked hung to you guys for a while. Bit. Do you have so many stories about, you know, where, where he started, what that was like? Well, he, his his story is they actually have a whole documentary movie on the guy. He, he had, really? He is, like, one of the few people that have seen Robert Johnson play. And he played with Robert... He's seen Robert Johnson when he was like 13 or something. Wow. And he played, Robert Nighthawk played with Robert Johnson. And C. Dell Davis later toured with Robert Nighthawk. So he's really, I mean, he's connected right down into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he is, uh, you know, he played with Junior Kimbrough and they, what they consider more like a mountain blues. Yeah. You know, in, in Arkansas there. And so he, you know, I played with the Kimbrough and when down in Arkansas, he has the Kimbrough son and grandson come and play with him as well. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like locked up into that whole legacy. And uh, who, you know, he also, he's right in there with it. You know, not a lot of those guys left for sure. So, yeah. Uh, it's, that must have been a great experience to hear that. Yeah. Tell me about Barrett getting involved with you guys. Was he involved with you? Um, did you know Barrett uh, from his trees? Um, I met Barrett recently. I've actually known Duff and uh, Ben longer. And so, um, but Barrett, we did some shows, me and Ben with the missionary position with Barrett. Like maybe two years ago, you opened yeah. for Barrett's band. Yeah, he had some band going at the time, and um, so I think he was kind of like looking for something to do that was like a, you know, with a singer. Yeah, yeah. He has, I think he had a lot of trouble with the singers in his career, and yeah. you know, with Lanigan and Lane Staley there before. Yeah, and uh, so of course, you know, I mean, man, to me, to even be in that same uh, yeah, breath I mean, of, but Mark's doing uh, great these days. Oh right? yeah, he's fin- and he's, he's making great records. Too. One of my favorite. Singers it. of all time. Yeah. I just think I, he's he's on my not to meet list. Yeah, like I don't even want to meet. You know, the guy he, he's very shy to begin with. But I'll tell you something. You know, him, I'm sure too. Tough. But he's a sweetheart. He's a great guy, mm-hmm. and he just keeps doing new things. Mm-hmm. He's just re- busy. Like you know, when he did the thing with Isabel from yeah. Bell and Sebastian. Thing, yeah, he, yeah, he does stuff with I everybody. Love that blues funeral record that he just put out. Blues funeral, the Grave Digger song. Oh man, that's oh, the whole yeah, record. Love that. That uncle. Yeah. Oh, U N K L E, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Uncle. That's, I call it Uncle too. It's like the man from Uncle, you know. Yeah. But it's uh yeah, like you know, who, who else has sang with them? Like you know, Asbury. Richard York, Ashcroft. Richard Ashcroft. But um yeah, I mean Mark's just such a talented guy. Yeah. And, and he got uh, one of the best voices. Love him. You and him, like you were standing in the same line when they were handing out voices. Yeah, well you mean voices to remember, voices with a raspy. Yeah, like good this. raspy, scratchy voices, you know. No, they, you know, I'm I'm glad to be considered in, in his company. He's been a good he's a good friend too and a good guy. And I love Barrett. Barrett and I have just one two blocks away from here years ago in the nineties when we we're still out of control. Barrett and I had a peyote and drinking evening at the Paramount oh, no, I Hotel. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> he brought peyote with him. I'm like, that's so like, oh. Barrett Martin. Like <laughs> now, he moved on to Hiawaska after that. Yeah, but, uh, 
Yeah, but we were uh, we were rocking the peyote. Only bury it, bury it. I mean, <laughs> when did you ever see anybody with peyote in the night? No, and, and the next morning I had to fly into an inter- – Stephen Tyler and I were hosting a Grammy special in, like, South Carolina where they were playing. But I stayed up at the bar at the Paramount uh, with Barrett. And then we went back to our room. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those. Wow. And I just flown in from Brazil. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it was pretty crazy. What, what is, what is from a U2 peyote, thing. What, uh, is a, what does peyote actually do? It's like an, it's an hallucinogenic that's a natural like thing. Mushrooms. It can also make you sick, though. I mean, it really Did you depends. get sick? No. No. You didn't? I didn't do enough of it to get too crazy, <laughs> knowing that I had the Steven Tyler thing the next morning. Yeah. But I did enough of it that it's it gave me a different different kind of feeling. Barrett's, yeah, a, a, very, enlightenment. Yeah. Barrett's a very interesting guy. He's well-traveled yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, uh, after, like, in the later 90s, he went to Africa. Yeah. He studied percussion in Senegalese. You know, Which is so cool. It's almost like the Ginger Baker thing, right? Have you seen that documentary? No, I haven't. I keep hearing about it. Oh, you got to see Beware of Mr. Baker. Yeah. It was only on demand on Showtime for one month. Mm. And I was like, and it went away already. They used to do it. The Eagles want to sell it. It's been on there for like six months. But. Yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, the Eagles might have sold a few more records than Ginger yeah. Baker. Yeah. No, but the greatest thing about the Eagles documentary, whether you like the band or not, is them breaking up on stage. Although you probably experience this in your real lives. I know you have... I mean, where you've bands go through turmoil, but where Glenn Fry and Don Felder have this major blowout on, on stage. stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Don Felder in, insulted this politician for the no nukes thing. So when he's coming to shake their hands, um, you know, he goes, "Thank you, I guess." And and Henley and Fry were furious, so they start arguing on stage, and then eventually. Guy, they're arguing. He says something about it. nobody listens to you. And you have to pay him. Don Felder says, and Glenn Fry says, "I've been paying you for fucking seven years, you fuckhead." And oh, then wow. he turns and, and then he says something else. Glenn Fry goes, "I'm gonna fucking kill you." After well, the you show. know what? And he goes, "I can't wait." <laughs> and they broke up that night. Interesting. Wow. Felder ran it. It's great because the audio's in the doc, so you almost have to see the doc. And for didn't that. Don Felder write? He wrote Hotel California, though, right? Um, I think he wrote part of the riff. Yeah, did he or did he? I'm not sure. I, I you would know. Yeah, right? yeah. Part of that, I think that he might have. That might have been. But not, his you know, but he didn't write the lyrics. He wrote that. Oh, okay. You know, the guitar part. But anyway, the we are Mr. Baker. It's the same thing where he goes to Africa, ends up living there, and doing all that stuff, and just going to state played with Fela. He played with all these people. You know, it was pretty fucking cool. But and so, how's Barrett doing? He's good. Barrett's good. <laughs> then he went to the Amazon and studied like uh, with a shaman. On, Taking ayahuasca, studied the. So, rhythm. dude, that's what he was saying. He got the peyote. He and I did that night from a shaman. He's always a shaman. With yeah. yeah, it's always yeah. some shaman. Yeah, yeah. But he's uh, he's the real deal. He's he's experienced some stuff and and seeks to experience. Yeah, things not just. This was ninety eight yeah. January. Well, we just toured with him and went and met a bunch of his friends in New Mexico. He's got some wild cards in his deck, you know. And it's it's yeah. pretty interesting. Like you know, they have a whole. Out there in Taos, New Mexico, they're yeah. living on their own little plane out there, you know. Yeah, um, with a lot of you know Native American, Native American rituals kind of coming yeah. into what they're doing, and uh, yeah. you know, it's a it's an interesting thing to tap into. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. I don't love every name. Believe me, there's a lot of band names I don't like, but Walking Papers is cool too. Tell me about the origin of the name. Well, yeah. we have a song called Red Envelopes. Yeah. And we kind of liked that. We were thinking, you know, we kind of like that name of Red Envelope being when you, that's when your bills, your shit's about to get turned off. You get a red envelope. It's not yellow or white anymore. And then apparently there's some kind of a, like a Hallmark card type of company that has that name already. So Barrett broke out his 
shamanistic thesaurus and I came up with walking papers. And at the same, there's a lot of cool synchronicity in our band, like with those kind of things. And so it happened that I had had a song that I was working on with that same title. And so it's just like, well, well, there it is. You know, there's a lot of same with the the way that we uh, conjure up songs and what not. They're just like, it's really just like, it just kind of drops in our lap where it's effortless compared to other bands that I've been into to where it was like, you know, there might be some kind of songwriting. Yeah. Songwriting and ideas and inspiration. Everything just seems to kind of flow and happen really naturally. Like who would think that we would get this, Duff McKagan kid to come in and play with us. You know, we're just like, well, come on in and play in a song. Next thing you know, he's Duff, are you are you doing some of the writing too? Is well, the, on the new, yeah, the new Next song. Track. So the the because you were, you guys were together before you joined Duff. Yeah, right? so just this for record, a second. Though. This yeah. record is is really like Jeff Angel's one of the guys. You want to stay out of his way, like you don't want to come in and try to change. Hey, add, a, add another uh, verse here and put another chord here. I think that'll because his songs what he. Ever since post-stardom days, his songs were just like these pieces of, like perfect yeah. cadence and and lyric and yeah. the whole thing. But now that we're a band, like the new stuff is definitely a band-driven musical direction. But yeah. it's it's really it is led by by Jeff and his particular slant toward rock music. Yeah, it's it's, it's dark and and cool and and all all the things I like. Yeah. Okay. Now this is on a podcast, so I can play that back to myself over and over. Yes, right? you can. When, like if I have a day where I want to cry at the bottom of the shower, yeah. I can like put that on and like yeah. get my confidence. So hey, we all have those days. So you, just, well, you know, you want a day where like you have good days, you have bad days. Well, you mean you, you have days that. that are not like that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it's actually you know you come up with some ideas or hold on. Yeah. I don't know that anybody really writes songs or if you just kind of like keep your ears open and listen and keep track of your ideas. You know, yeah. ideas are kind of overrated it's like the, it's the energy that's put into ideas is really what makes things uh blossom and uh to have such great players to have an idea to bounce off or to steal their ideas and sell them back to them like it's my own or whatever and we all everybody definitely brings something to it and the energy that you know makes it grow into the thing that is walking papers matt yeah. i will tell you one thing going back to the name of the band something yeah. we found out on our first trip to UK and Europe? Yeah. Walking papers is a uniquely American term. Yeah. The, not even the UK. They're like, well, what's walking papers? Yeah. Uh, what, like papers that walk? Yeah. No, it means like, you know, you get your your, your pink slip, you're getting fired. or. Yeah, it's definitely unique to the US without yeah, a but question. They had, Over they there, they have a B459 or something. Yeah. That's what they call it. Right. right no, right. BR549? Yeah, is that what it is? Well, you know, there was a band called BR549. Is that what you it know, is? Now they, the guy, a couple of the guys back up Dylan, but I remember having. Is that, that actually what it is to get fired? Uh, B459? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Maybe that's where the name came from because it's BR. But Madeline, like, Wikipedia. BR549, <laughs> they're actually were an American country Americana rock band. That's right. Uh, like kind of punk edge. Oh yeah, them. that's right. I know. And they were on my. They were on 120 minutes with me years ago. And Jack White said to me, he "Goes every time I remember when you mentioned Johnny Cash and uh, Dylan together on Nashville Skyline." He said, "I called my friend. He said, you fucking hear that?'" So we were talking about stuff like that. So whenever I hear beer, and I ran into him on a plane. I was on a plane with him recently, and he said, "Hey, remember I did your show? Now I play. Now I'm, one of, I'm in Dylan's band. So he plays for Bob Dylan now. Oh, uh-huh. wow. But BR five forty nine is that what it is? I didn't. Even uh, know. I didn't know if that was actually it or my the brain. Just, but there's yeah. some kind of skyping it. Or, yeah, I mean, googling it. Yeah. But there is some kind of form. They do have a form yeah. that is like your walking papers. Form. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh yeah. So this tour, 
Uh, on this tour, we, we had a night off in Reno, and Adamant was playing. Dude, I love Adamant. And did you I don't see care what anybody tour? says. His voice oh, is awesome. better now Dude, than ever. You know, awesome. Guys, I was, I was in my kitchen. Don't laugh. Once in a while, I'll pull out a box and see what's in a 45s. And Friend or Foe was in there, which I was like, I kind of wrote off. I mean, I loved Kings of the Wild Frontier. I mean, I liked songs on that record. But I put it on just to, to hear it. And it's got that cool surf guitar, yeah. that African drum beat, and the, the lyrics are hilarious. That that I want I want those who get to know me to become my friends or admirers or my enemies. And I was laughing, going, "That's just a great lyric." It was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I love those early records. What do you think of him? Was a, I, well, I, I got to see him at the Scala about two or three years ago in London. Yeah. So he was just out of the. He had. Had to go away for a while. Yeah, he would do what he just see a breakdown, like you know what yeah. happens to some people. And he went to a, a place for uh, for a while. How maybe, long was he in that mental facility? A of years. Yeah. And so this was his first gig out and he was Wow. You could tell he was working through some stuff on stage. Yeah, I'm really, sure. Really human. And but because when you the early stuff it was all ultra confidence, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like the lyrics are like what I just said, that whole lyric about I want those who get to know me to become my admirers or my enemies. We're all like, love us or hate us, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. You know, this is what we are. Yeah. We're completely 100% confident. So to take on that role again, yeah, obviously working through. Working you know. through on stage. And, and the, it was, the Skull is like a famous old punk rock theater in London. A lot of gigs happen there. And, and so here I am at this gig and all like my punk rock heroes are there. Who was there? The day. Like, you know, Ed, Paul Cook and, and the guys from Subway Sect and like uh, UK subs, probably all, know, those all bands, of yeah. that, like stuff. Chelsea, <laughs> yeah, Chelsea, exactly. Yeah. All of that, <laughs> and um, only you know, like only I would probably like Sham sixty nine guy and yeah, all of that. I'm Jimmy Percy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I love and, those records. Yeah, you're too. talking to Matt Pinfield over here. No, yeah. you and I love. <laughs> no, I know, I know. He's going to be the one guy that actually knows all the bands. Well, he well, and I have only he and I would know. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I have no yeah. idea what yeah, you're Duff talking. Duff and I have like walked around town looking for a pharmacy, just talking about records. Yeah, you know indeed, I mean? like we do, indeed. You know, but uh, but it was great. And then so I, I'd, I'd seen how his band, his band was really good three years ago. He's got a whole new band now, like yeah. these young, kind of London rocker dudes. But it's they they do service, great service to the songs. Yeah, two drummers. Oh this yeah, chick, this chick from Birmingham. I think she's maybe maybe in my age, but she's yeah. got the whole thing. And and then uh, this this young guy drummer and really good band. And we had a great time. We played two hours solid. What did he do? A lot of everything? Because I know he was doing a lot of like Dirk wears white socks or real early stuff. And then he did he did some new songs. Kings you know, of the Wild Frontier stuff. Did he, he do yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that he stuff. Doggy Dog and Ham Music and yeah, like Don't Be all. Square, Be There, Killer and all that stuff. All of it. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't know most of it. My yeah. my girlfriend was there. She knew every song. Yeah. She's, you know, yeah. I hadn't seen her in a while. I would have rather stayed in the hotel if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. What? But she wanted to go out and see some Adam. Well, yeah. What would you have done in the hotel? What are you saying? Are you uh, trying to tell us? We would have watched. The, I mean, I wanted to watch the songs from I, the iPad on yeah. YouTube. I oh. see. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. Uh. Okay. Dolph, speaking of the punk rock years, what were some of the first punk rock records? That you bought some when you were younger. What were the things that like really blew you away that brought you well, into it? I mean, the first things I bought, like when I was a kid, I bought Aerosmith and things like that, right? Yeah, like right, yeah. right. But the first, like, yeah. but I bought records because of the record covers when yeah. when I was twelve and thirteen. Like, wow, that's that's really cool. So the first punk 
single I bought was a band called Trash. I don't think they ever did anything else. I, yeah. But it was like my first punk rock single, so I, of course I loved it. Yeah. And uh, then I, you know, I bought the Pistols record. I bought First Clash record. Yeah. Um, you know, we had DOA in the Northwest, yeah. so they were kind of like our kiss. I'd Canadian, put, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Prisoner yeah. single. And, yeah. Um, the Lude. Yeah. Uh, Trash Can Baby. Yeah. Uh, right, stuff. single. Yeah. Um, subhuman Vancouver. The, yeah. The all the first Vancouver's. Sub, yeah. yeah. All the modernettes. There was all these great um, Vancouver bands, Point of Sticks. Yeah. And, but then I, Black Flag, Nervous Breakdown. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. When that Germs record came out, when GIA came out, yeah. that was like such a mind blowing new vent yeah. into music. It really was. It was so different from everything else and really well produced. Yes. Um, but I got turned on, you know, in those first 10 months of punk rock. Ramones, of course, and all of that. I got Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, LAMF. Yeah. But Pirate got, Love. I haven't heard. I, I love that record. There's a, new, there's a new reissue of it. Is there? It's like a three CD version of it with like different mixes and stuff. I know. I, I'm, I've got a, I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah. But uh, I, I love that record. And of course, Johnny's solo record, Soul Alone. That was a little yeah, later, but what course. a classic. You, of course, you're the one who brought that to G&R uh, with, you know, on uh, Spaghetti Incident. Yeah, the, the cowboy boots worn outside the, the... It wasn't something we invented. You know, yeah. that, was, that was Johnny Thunders in that. And you know what else you did on there, which was great, was Ain't It Fun by the Dead Boys, yeah. one of my favorite mm-hmm. bands. Young, Loud, and Snotty is one of the best records. And Generation X. Yeah, you know, I mean, first Gen X album. Man. I even like Value the Dolls, too. I mean, I like all yeah. those records. But I love the first Gen X you got to love the first. Young, Loud, and Snotty was a, a seminal record for me. Classic. Yeah. I remember bringing that into school, playing that in the Pistols and Ramones, people running out with their fingers in their ears out of music appreciation class. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And then I knew the people who liked it, they were, they were cool with me and the others. It was very divisive, but, but brilliant. But it turned me on to, like, um, you know, reggae. It turned me on yeah. to going back to the suite and the Runaways and Slay. Oh, uh, you can't these... beat that sweet Slay, T-Rex, all the old clamps. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, but I love I had, that stuff. I oh, me do. too. I had a good mentor in, in Kim Warnick from Fastbacks. She yeah. was a couple years older than me and would come pick me up and she'd make me mixtapes. Kim is so cool, by the way. I finally met her, like, right last year when I oh. saw you, remember? Wasn't she over at the Road Recovery rehearsals? Did she come did, for that? No, or no? Did she not? I don't think when did, did I meet she? Kim? I don't know. I met Kim not that long ago. It was so cool to meet her. She's like, "Mad it's me. I'm from the Fastbacks." I'm like, "Holy shit!" So yeah, she yeah. She turned you on to all that. She really, her and Kurt Block, yeah. yeah, turned me on to a lot of music. Kim would make mixtapes and a lot of glam stuff and yeah, um, yeah, the '70s glam, that English '70s glam stuff was great. So just those, it was all like these three minute singles that were yeah. killer, you know. Yeah, totally. Killer. Slade could really play too if you listen to like that Slade Slade album. Yeah. Say, uh, you know, one where their thumbs That's are off. That's a pretty genius title for their yeah. album. It's, it's but it's but it's kind of it, like the Walking Papers. No, S L A D, and the album is called S L A Y E D. So oh, there man. you go. Right. But brilliant, man. great record. Even man. smarter. And yeah. how I got that record? It's funny how I got it when I was a young kid. Was that a guy moved from Liverpool? And went to junior high with me, and that's he turned me on to the Whoa. Slade Slade album. You know, I'd already known the Sweet, of course, but um, yeah. but that was pretty cool stuff. But you got into all of that, and then who turned you on to punk stuff too? I got to say, Ain't It Fun, by the way, one of the great covers you did with GNR, and I know Cheetah really appreciates yeah. that it's on the Greatest Hits album because yeah. it's obviously he even said to me, he goes, "Man, he goes like that turned my life around." So I was yeah. super happy for him, you know. 
Yeah, and being able to do that punk covers record too, or whatever you call it, the Spaghetti Ants incident. Yeah, uh, is that what you call it? I mean, it was. It was. Yeah. You know, no, I'm just kidding. With new new rows and all of that. Uh, but I gotta I, mean, I gotta ask you. Speaking of which, um, we're talking about the punk stuff, Duff. Yeah. It's so easy. One of my favorite songs of all time, on Appetite, is a song that you still do live when you play a lot and do different shows. And that to me, I've always said this. That it's the perfect marriage between punk and hard rock, punk and metal. It just really is. That song does that all for me. I appreciate it. You that. know, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Likewise. It, isn't it? I mean, it's totally. just, what's, it's and so it's easy as it, as it in explodes it in the most, and everything of, about the song is brilliant. It's one of my favorite songs I ever recorded. So I got I to gotta ask you about, you know, we've talked about him before, but West Arkeen, man, you yeah. know, we lost him a while back. Yeah. Explain to people who about West. I mean, I know it's been written about, but. He was well, a friend of yours, uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I so I moved into this apartment, my second apartment in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Wes this, co-wrote it with you guys, right? Yeah. Oh uh, well, with here's you? how I'll tell you the yeah. story. So Wes, there, there was this little guy living next door to me. This guy, and he came over. Hey, wait, what's your deal? What do you? What's your name? You moving in here? And it was Wes, and he was a guitar player, and he had just bought like a four-track cassette recording device and a and a drum machine, like a Tascam thing. It was Alesis. Oh, Both of them was Alesis. Yeah. He bought it off some bus driver who was who was selling it. It was like hot for sure. Yeah. No manuals, and we he and I together discovered how to operate the drum machine and to, 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 and to double track and do all that stuff, right? Yeah, and he showed me uh, an open E tuning. I, I yeah. didn't know you could tune guitars differently. He showed yeah. me an opening uh, tuning on a guitar, and that's when I wrote "It's So Easy." Like the first. Yeah. When you learn new tunings, you can write a bunch of songs because it's a different voice inside your guitar. And I wrote it so easy, just kind of right there on the spot. And because he showed me the open, there wouldn't have been the song if he didn't show me open E tuning. Yeah. So he got credit on this. We gave him credit for the song. I said, you got, we have to give credit to Wes. Because and it was just because of the tuning he showed you, but he wasn't. Without the tuning, there wouldn't have been the song. Yeah. And so he opened the portal for, for that song, for sure. And... uh but he was a great songwriter. So there were songs later on, like Yesterday's, yeah, um, that he helped contribute musically. We didn't need an extra songwriter, but Wes was just part of and, our gang. Yeah, and you guys loved him, right? He we loved brother. him, and he, and he would like have these songs. He wouldn't try to like force any songs on us. We we're just like, dude, what's that song? Can we use it? Yeah, you know, just uh, we wouldn't have done that with just anybody. But Wes was a special little spirit um, in our band, and and you knew Wes, right? Yeah. And I don't know how you really describe Wes. He was a he was a force of nature, yeah. and uh, funnier than hell, and would have your back. And tragic, drug addict, yeah, uh, too, uh, to boot. Um, and then his death, getting sick, you know, after that explosion, you can tell people a little bit. That was just sad. The barbecue thing that took place. Yeah, you know, I'm. Um, don't really know exactly. And, None uh, of us know exactly what happened, right? Yeah, but I mean, there was there was you know drugs involved, and yeah, and he yeah basically burnt to death, which is awful. Which is an awful thing. Yeah, and it's sad too because of what a cool guy he was, and yeah, like you said, part of that family back then. He was our family, and I yeah I cried. You know I you know I still it was such a sad so, story. So man. sad um, with West, and yeah, we lost a few good good bros, but I, I more than a few actually. During that period between eighty seven and ninety seven, yeah, who are some of the other people? Would I know any of them? Todd Crew, yeah, he was I know in Todd. Jet Boy, he was yep. my best friend, and um, I, I 
lost another guy right in there, uh, Big Jim, who was my yeah. good bro from Seattle. A lot of guys just, just went, and it was like, uh, you get numb to it. I got numb to it for yeah. a while, which is really sad for a guy in his 20s to become numb to your your bros falling. Yeah, because you almost feel it's like this, almost like a war casualty or yeah. something that goes on. It really felt And you that force way. yourself to be desensitized. Yeah, and after, I've really... I've been pain for a while, right? I know. You know, I got sober when I was 30, not to talk about sobriety so much, but, but it took me, like now I, I have like a lot of jovialness and, and I, I see, I can observe life and I can see through history of, you know, I can talk about things with some experience behind it. But uh, it took me a few years to get over like being so kind of hard and like, even in sobriety, like it took me a few. Like years to desensitize because it's like it's part of the wall we put up as human yeah. beings, you know. Yeah. Especially when we're losing friends and things are going on around us. Yeah, and, and we're and, dealing with our own problems and demons. We know that. Like Jeff, one thing that drew me toward Jeff, who's in uh, right here, is like he. Uh, we didn't grow up together, but I could instantly tell when I met him. Like, uh huh, I recognize that thousand yard stare. I, he's gone through some of the exact same things I've gone through, and. And he actually continued to go through them until a little while ago. And um, yeah, for a while he wasn't answering my phone calls. You know that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know all about it. Yeah. Absolutely, very yeah. firsthand. We know, but the good news is we're all here. Yeah, yeah, that's the important. Thing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So any like, I don't know. We can like talking about punk rock or about Wes or about the Walking Papers. It's all like to me. It's so good. Yeah. Like, be able to get in a band that is this gifted and killer and forward thinking and new and fresh after going through so much other stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, well, people know. love that, you know, it's hard to look away from a car wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah. People love that, that danger of an excitement. But, you know, hey, I mean, if rock and roll is like based on sometimes people having the balls to go and do something that maybe the average person, they like seeing someone that'll go for it. But, yeah. you know, it's also people love to see somebody return from it and then they do. go for it in another and you know sometimes you'll be out here still doing you know playing music and this and that and people are wondering you know you know how do you do it and then you're not drinking or partaking or and this and that kind of thing and it actually requires a lot more um drive and courage it does to and, be able to and face all those which is to, you know you know to hit those insecurities and that stuff face on Without having, you know, your security blanket or your medication or whatever, you know, to have to challenge the world and, you know, music and even to get up there on stage or have the confidence to write a song or something like that without, you know, I think that requires a little bit more grit. Yeah. Well, guys, you know what? It was so great to have you on. Thank you for having us. Walking Papers debut album out now. And make sure that uh, you catch the guys when they come to your city. Tough McKagan, Jeff Angel on the Hivecast. 